1: right? Nope. It doesn't matter if you're an avid exerciser or new to working out. Peloton can help you achieve your fitness goals. 92% stick with it. So can you try Peloton bikes, tread or row risk free with a 30 day home trial. New members only not available in remote locations. See additional terms at onepelotoncom home dash trial. Venture X from Capital One is the travel card for people always asking where next.
2: Song Facts. Hello, 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 and welcome to the Song Facts Podcast. My name is Corey O'Flanagan and I am your host. The show is proudly a part of the Pantheon Podcast Network. And we would really appreciate it if you'd go out and leave us a nice review, subscribe on your favorite listening platform, and just show us all that love. It really goes a long way. Today on the show I am joined by the Heavy Hours, who are on a roll. Recently, they've written with Dan Auerbach of the Black Keys, recorded an EP in upstate New York with Simon Felice, who also produced the Lumineers and the Avett Brothers albums, and opened for St. Paul and the Broken Bones, a band that I love. Today I catch up with John, Michael, and AJ to talk about all of that, their latest set of releases on the EP Wildfire, and what it was like doing an RV tour during a pandemic. This Cincinnati band is finding their groove as songwriters and enjoying every minute of it along the way, so please sit back, relax, and enjoy the heavy hours.
3: You know how, don't start care.
2: Um, All right, well, I want to start off like any great interview does and let's talk about me for a second. You guys have a great track uh, that is called Don't Walk Away. that you guys wrote in part with uh, Dan Arbach of the Black Keys. And here's where it kind of becomes about me. I have an ex-girlfriend who absolutely has said from day one, and then we went and saw the Black Keys together and she just thinks that I am the spitting image of that man. And <laughs> nobody else has ever said it. So I'm gonna give you guys a couple profile shots, whatever you need. Uh, what do you think?
3: <laughs> I can see why she said it. Yeah. But you need to do more hard drugs and age yourself about 20 years
4: i think it's, I think it's a benefit that you don't look like him. although i love Dan. thank you i think i i love Dan. he's one of the coolest looking dudes ever but but he's he also is a very different looking human being you know? yeah yeah
2: 100 that's what i thought too and that's why i was like i'm kind of losing attraction to you because i can't believe that you would like somebody if you think i look like that
3: if you spent time in like a coal mine maybe yeah
2: yeah yeah (laughs) i got a little get a little bit of the black lung okay well i'm glad we've settled that um (laughs) did you guys learn anything while you were kind of stuck in the studio writing with
3: him oh man yeah i think yeah we learned a crazy amount of things with dan because it was like that was the first time we had ever done a writing session with someone and so we never even really knew how like the whole like writing session thing worked. We just kind of like showed up to his, uh, to his studio. And then like, next thing you know, it's like, yeah, I got a good buddy coming in and his buddy that came in was like 95 years old and played on Elvis records, like actual Elvis records. And we're like, what in the world? Um, but yeah, we learned a lot of just about just like how, you know, the industry works and, and just like how the songwriting thing works, but also just, we were you know face to face with two of the most prolific songwriters that have ever lived and so just like watching them work and watching how their brains operated and how they like viewed a song was was i think eye-opening for us and a lot of like little things that i noticed that dan did and that was just like i think we still do to this day Mm
2: -hmm. yeah because i read that you guys were kind of plucking different ideas that you might have had in your phones and different melodies and, and stuff like that, that that kind of came together. And it, was that a new way to write a song for you or was that something that um, you guys had done before?
3: Usually when we would write music, it would be very, very long and we would, it would start out, it always starts out no matter what, with like a weird phone idea. yeah uh, And then we would like probably bake that in our basement songwriting oven for like a month, but Dan was like, hey, let's write a song in an hour before lunch.
4: Yeah, Just as a challenge. Like everything, it was like song, melody, lyrics, like start to finish, like all the, the aspects of a song you would need to like go into a studio and like record it, we're done mm-hmm. in an hour. I don't think it was like, I don't even know if it was like, let's do it because we, we can try to do it, it was like, The songs were great. It was just like a completely different approach of like, like, let's just, you know, put all of our melodic ideas together and just like power through this thing. Whatever doesn't work, we throw away immediately. Like, there's no egos in the room. No attachment to anything. Yeah, like if there was no, you you never felt offended if you suggested something and Dan was like, no, that's not going to work. Like you just kind of like move through the song and whatever worked and stuck stayed and whatever didn't just you leave, you know, on the road. I'm sure yeah. that Dan
3: thought critically about his songwriting technique, but it was almost as if like, yeah, let's write a song in two hours because, you know, later tonight I got places to be and I got records to record. <laughs>
2: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that'd be my first thought. Like, what, you got somewhere better to be? aren't you paying paid to be here um this is uh that's really interesting so that's to have something like that come up i don't know as a as a creative i think like one the atmosphere that you were talking about would lend itself really nicely that there's no judgment you don't feel like there's any bad ideas there's just ones that don't fit in that time span or don't fit in that moment and then the other thing too is um just kind of challenging yourself creating like a little bit of a barrier. Like if you guys are normally people who just sit there and grind stuff out over a, a day or a weekend or a week or whatever it might be um, to just put yourself in a different mind frame of like, we have to have this done by noon today. I don't know. I think that that would be something that would kind of get the creative juices flowing, some adrenaline going and just being like, yeah, let's I do this. That.
3: I went to, it, I, I do agree with that. I went to art school before I joined the band and mm-hmm. Something that I learned in there was you—you you do usually yield a pretty uh, great result if you put some sort of limitation on yourself. If you—if you go, if you have to fight against something, that's usually when your brain works a little better.
2: Yeah. I don't disagree with that at all um so you guys took that song and then a handful of others to upstate new york to record your ep wildfire which i've been listening to for the last couple of days and really good job guys these are some awesome songs thank you and i've heard that there's more and you guys are just being patient with rolling them out is that true
3: oh yeah definitely some more we're gonna do the whole album you know sometime release that sometime this winter maybe sometime next year early next year yeah but Yeah. Was that your
2: guys first uh, experience like in a in a recording studio like that at that level?
3: Um, Yeah, pretty much. We had made a couple of I guess you could call them albums um, that we when when we were younger in our Mm -hmm. earlier 20s. But that was mostly um, us like scrounging up all of the money we could gather as young 20 year olds (laughs) and just like paying our way down to like a random studio like in nashville or something like that or just anywhere we could get into and being like hey record our songs for us please and, yeah but it was a that was the first time you know that we had ever been with a producer at that level or a producer at all and you know an audio engineer at that level and um yeah it was a pretty crazy experience
2: yeah well I, yeah I mean, that's one thing i wanted to talk about was that experience because It is so unique especially for a new band to go in and i'm guessing that there was some preconceived ideas and thoughts that you guys were having and i'm wondering how those might have differed from the actual experience
4: i mean it was definitely like like mike said we, we were used to like taking our songs whatever we had created and being like here they are and like paying however much money we had in our bank account to like record them and so like there was really no obligation for the whoever was recording those songs to like cast a vision for the album or to like, you know, take a fine comb through the songs. Yeah. Uh, but with Simon and David, that was like a super refreshing thing up in Woodstock was just like the fact that like we were going to record the best possible version of all the songs that we were going to record. And we didn't, you know, we, we took as much time as we needed to get them ready and to get them to the point where, we were they were they were much bigger and more i don't know refined, refined than we, yeah. we would have ever tried to attempt yeah that's a good before. point
3: that john's making is that like when the, when we first did our i guess yeah demos or albums or whatever like it was just a guy that's getting paid an hourly wage to record whatever yeah. the how we told him to record and so like there's some songs that i go back and listen to that we recorded like i don't know six years ago or whatever and they have four minute long intros of just like nothing but but musical break and like, and then the singing happens and then another four minute thing of just music. And it, it was cool and refreshing and also just like an insane learning experience just to like hear Simon and David be like, oh, why do you guys have this two minute solo with no singing and during this song, On every song or something like that like (laughs) let's cut this and it'll sound better if we do this and add this and they're just like they're both so smart and so it was just fun to hear their ideas and be like oh that is a really good idea we were dumb for thinking that (laughs) kind of thing
2: (laughs) i think it's really interesting to like go in and as as people who are it seems like you guys have been writing songs for a long time and obviously It's like anything else. The more you do it, the more you practice, the better that you get over time. And you start to kind of find your voice and the sound that you want to have. But then actually like structuring songs together and being with people who are professionals at taking an idea that a creative musician might have and then turning it into this this song that's like, wow, how did you get from there to there? I, I would think that that would be something that if I'm you all, I'm like just... I would just be watching with my mouth open just like I just can't believe that you guys where does this idea come from like we're gonna bring in a celloist all of a sudden like what is that
3: yeah yeah and I think to that point too it was fun because like we us three have been writing songs with since the beginning with with like I've had the same guitar John's had a bass and AJ's had a guitar and that's it that's like what we've been limited to and we're like writing songs with those three instruments every once in a while also behind a piano be like oh this just sounds good yeah but like to get into that studio and to have access to different kinds of equipment, stuff that like, I didn't even know were instruments or I'd leave, like I look at something and I'm like, what is that thing? And David's like, oh, that's a synth from 1962. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> and it's like, and Paul explained like, that's how you get this sound. And it's like, oh, I love that sound. I would have never in a million years known how to produce or recreate that sound for one of our albums and stuff like that. So having access to, Different kinds of equipment and instruments was really really cool too. Like we could have spent, I could have spent a month just like fidgeting with every song. Like add this, add this, add this, yeah. and the songs would have sounded terrible. But <laughs> 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 I can definitely see the habit of just like one. Like he has so much stuff at recording studio, just wanting to add everything. The yeah. flip side to the to this coin is there was also an element of you know we would have all these crazy ideas and all these we would make all these. Uh, decisions and you know we were just doing what we wanted to do but that was that was kind of the scary part is that at this point there was no record label we didn't have any sort of deal we just had a bunch of our own money invested into this record and we're just hoping that whatever we created was going to get uh, picked up or you know signed or something Uh, so it was like yeah we're doing you know we're just down here having fun. And then, and then, you know, at night I would think to myself, like, I hope somebody likes, you know, our <laughs> our fun.
2: Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that's a really good point because that's, I mean, that's the most important thing. And hopefully as you guys continue to grow and, and that happens that, that I would, I would tell you to just keep that in mind, because I think what a lot of people do is, no matter what happened no matter what career path you're going down you can lose sight of the fact that it's fun especially if you're chasing a passion and it becomes more of a job and then you're like ah, i don't want this to feel like a job
3: yeah for yeah, yeah. sure
2: did you guys have any like thoughts about the um, the old band albums and dylan being up there recording the late 60s while you were up there that's where my head would be the whole time Ooh, yeah.
3: yeah we recorded our record uh 100 yards away legitimately 100 yards away from uh Jimi Hendrix's old house, oh, really? Uh, that he lived in in Woodstock,
4: yeah,
2: cool. Yeah, I, I, I
3: thought
4: uh, you were
2: gonna say uh, big pink, I thought
4: you were gonna be like, I was right, we were like 20 minutes away, yeah, we yeah. by that a fair number of times, yeah.
3: We would uh, so a lot, of, it was a, a pretty like uh, laid back recording feel, it wasn't like show up at 6am and we get started right away. We kind of like rolled in at like 10 or 11 every day and would work. until we honestly just kind of got tired, which was, which was fun. But every morning we would kind of like, it would kind of be like a field trip because we're just like so obsessed with the town and like the the vibe of Woodstock that we would like get up early in the morning and like walk around. And then we honestly like find something to drive to every morning. We'd like, let's go see Big Pink. Let's go see Van Morrison's summer home. Let's go down to the river. Like <laughs> the Tibetan monk house. Yeah. Like it's it's a crazy beautiful town. But like in a in a not to sound like cheesy or anything, but like it does feel like there is something special about it. Like it felt like we were in our own little world up there. Like it's a pretty small little town and you're kind of like far removed from anything, any feelings of being home. We're like you're definitely. Up in the mountains, and it's pretty much the most ideal place to record an album. I think yeah. it's pretty awesome.
2: Was it in winter too? Were you guys just covered up in snow up there?
3: We yeah, we kind of spanned a couple seasons. We when we first met Simon, um, we went up there on like the most beautiful fall day I've ever seen, and like the mountains were bright orange, and we're like, this place is magical. And then the next when we recorded the first half of the album, it was the dead of winter. And there was, I don't know, two feet of snow on the ground. Two, yeah, two feet of snow. Like, our, our, our cars could barely go anywhere. And, like, Simon had to come always, like, pick us up and drive us up the hill to the recording studio because our cars couldn't make it up. We built, like, a 20-foot-tall igloo one night because we were <laughs> <laughs> Um And then we finished up recording our album in the spring. So we kind of got the full taste of, of Woodstock.
2: Oh, cool. Okay. Yeah, that's a part of the the country that I haven't been to is like kind of that upstate Vermont and stuff. But I've always just said, if I'm going to go, I'm going to go during fall and just yeah, and catch yeah. those leaves.
3: You should go during fall. It's, yeah. it's pretty, pretty
2: crazy. Yeah. Okay. So tell me a little bit about the song Desperate Days, because um, I was listening to that and watching the video a little bit this morning. And I've got an idea yeah. of what I think where I think it kind of came from. But I'm curious to hear where, where it came from for you all the actual yeah, exactly. writers.
3: I said oh, you can't let it die. We wrote it right here on this desk that you're sitting on. Virtual faces. (laughs) Like pretty much at the beginning of the pandemic, right? Mm -hmm. It was our quarantine song.
2: Okay, that's what that's kind of the vibe that I got from it. Mm -hmm.
3: Uh, Yeah, and our producer, you know, we were a little bit like, oh, you know, we wanted to write a song about that shared human experience that we were having with the globe, but we didn't want to be, you know, so on the nose and. Uh, our producer sort of helped it come to life and become its own thing. Yeah, it kind of came together pretty, like, naturally. Um, We didn't, like, force that one at all because we were all, like, we spent, you know, two years where I saw these guys literally every single day for, like, two years. Like, we would hang out every day and play music or whatever. And We still do. Yeah, but then, like, Mm -hmm. the pandemic happened. And then, like, next thing you know, like, I'm only talking to them over FaceTime and Zoom and Stuff and it was weird and I think we were all just like we were all bored and not doing anything so we all just like started writing songs and that one we just kind of started writing together over Facetime and zooms and six foot distance yeah every once in a while we'd, we'd, backyard, we'd hey meet house. up in the backyard <laughs> and try to write right through it and um, it was funny too because we didn't really need another song like we had you know, like 10 songs picked out for the album and that was like kind of while we were recording the album but it kind of like leapfrogged a couple other songs that were going to be recorded so we cut one to add that one and simon really helped on that one too he we would facetime him and he would he had some good ideas for that song so it was <laughs> we, like, we gave him the song idea and then he was like all right uh i'll see you guys in 10 minutes and then he would call us again and be like all right i just took a walk in the woods yeah and i followed the course. Yeah. So I think we were all going kind of crazy, and and it uh, that one just kind of came came naturally to us. And I'm glad it did because it was really fun. And and David, the uh, audio engineer and also producer on the album, one of the producers, he was really really excited about it because his dad was um was an audio engineer and a producer, and um, he worked with um who was the main thing he worked with? Almond Brothers. Yeah, he worked with the Almond Brothers. Okay, wow. Yeah, and and David. He grew up in Ohio and he's like honestly since the day I was like turned eight years old I have just wanted to like be in a southern rock band he's like I just wanted to like shred the keys on a southern rock band he's like <laughs> and he's, he's a great piano player and so he was really excited about it because it kind of like out of all of our songs that one kind of has the most like raw rock and roll feel to it yeah. which, which was fun
2: stay tuned for more song facts podcast right after this Ever wonder how my voice is bouncing off your eardrum so clean and crispy? No? Well let me tell you anyway. The Lyra Microphone by AKG brings their legendary acoustic engineering to a versatile USB mic that delivers the highest quality audio in its class, USB connection. This is good for me, because of the simplicity and the ability to just plug and play without an interface. You may have gathered from various episodes that I am doing this show on the road, so being that I record most interviews in a different location than the last, it is good for me to know that I have a high-quality, easy-to-transport and-use USB mic, like the Lyra, to make sure my sound is clean. Whether you're like me and recording a podcast, a musician, recording vocals, or an instrument, or if you need to do a voiceover for a YouTube channel— Lyra's innovative AKG Adaptive Capsule Array adapts to your performance to record pristine audio. It has four versatile capture modes. What's a capture mode, you ask? That is how the mic picks up your voice. Just trust me, with these four options, it's really all you're going to need. With AKG Lyra, you'll be up and running in no time, no matter your experience level. There's no assembly, no need for separate audio interface, no fiddling with software settings, it just works right out of the box. And Lyra is something that is compatible with Windows, Mac, iOS, and Android devices, and all major recording softwares. So. If you're looking for a mic that offers ease of use along with a high quality sound check out the akg lyra and look no further yeah definitely what, what about filming that video in and around your your guys hometown of cincinnati that, that that really kind of lended itself to to me being able to get a little bit more of a feel of where you guys were coming from with the lyrics and the and the mood of the song, but um it just kind of looked like you guys showed Cincinnati through a particular lens and I'm wondering if that was intentional because it was like pandemic related like things are kind of shutting down um I'm in an old warehouse like abandoned warehouse type of feel that kind of stuff so I'm just kind of wondering if that was intentional oh yeah
4: yeah yeah I mean it was just I think. I think the the visuals of that video are are less of a statement as much or like a statement about the state of things as much as it were just like a representation of how things were at that time, and it was just like, yeah, it was like it was not a fun time. <laughs> <laughs> no, yeah, no, yeah. We, was, we were doing we were making a music video, which was fun. We were releasing
3: music, writing music, but at this but during the filming of that video, it was still very much in the back of our head of like. When, are the, when the hell are we ever going to be able to play a live show again? Yeah, you know, we had just no clue. And our agent was just like, hey, I had no idea. Yeah. And we didn't really know any better, too, which was frustrating, but also probably a blessing at the same time. Because, like, we, you know, we released our first song with Don't Walk Away. And then, like, that might have been, like, right around the pandemic hit or whatever. And so we were, like, trying to break a band as... The, the world was shut down yeah and so, like we didn't know any different because we've never like you know done it before but we would get like little glimpses like our label would be like oh man this stinks this year you guys got to play on zoom because uh if not we'd fly up to new york and you'd play a show and then we'd take out the dinner and then we'd do this thing and it'd be like damn it that sounds <laughs> so much better than, than being in my basement like playing over zoom that's a lot more fun. but yeah so we did. It was it was a weird time. Yeah. Well, that
2: kind of helps me segue into the question about the RV tour. Um, <laughs> where did this idea come from, and, and how did that how did that go? That's so awesome.
3: It was it was a lot of fun. It was our manager's idea. He, you know, it was last summer, and he was like, "Hey, I'm going to send you guys on the road. You're going to play a bunch of parking lots." <laughs> and uh, it was. Did you have to book
2: anything? Or were you guys just kind of like drop busking?
3: A little, bit of, a little bit of both. He was, yeah. you know, he was booking like, was like, "Hey, radio station X, like these guys are uh, gonna roll in at noon tomorrow." Essentially,
4: <laughs> yeah, was for radio stations and like venue promoters. So yeah. it was just and like, they all loved
3: it. The radio yeah. stations and the venue promoters. You know, we would play these shows for like them and their friends, uh, like their dogs. Ten person <laughs> shows, but. You know, it was kind of what a band normally had to do, but just in a different way. You know, usually you go on tour as an opening band and you're playing for tables and chairs or five people. Yep. But this this we just kind of forced the experience and we were like, all right, where can we get five people and, you know, show up in their backyard? It was fun. I really like that.
2: I don't think I've heard anybody else doing something like that. And I love that good original idea, especially given the times that that everyone was in. It was just kind of like. Like you said, instead of being locked in the basement playing Zoom shows for people, like, let's go out and do something that's safe and fine.
4: Yeah, that was awesome. I think, I think one of the unforeseen benefits of that is we were playing, we were showing up to probably two to three different houses a day, setting up our stuff, playing like seven songs, eight songs. So like in a given day, we were playing like legitimately like thir- like we were playing these songs like 30 times. Yeah. And like over the span of I think we did about four or five weeks total of the tour. And so we got just a ton of time to like work through these songs live. I mean, it wasn't on a you know a big stage or anything, but like yeah, yeah. these were the first this is the first time we were like playing these songs out live. So it was like really great for us to just get a ton of experience under our belt with not a whole lot of pressure to just kind of work these songs and out live. To what you're saying, what's kind of cool is that the RV tour
3: sort of ended and culminated in this, like in our first real big show where we played the Fits and the Tantrums on a giant stage at like a drive-in concert. Yeah. Um, and so that was, uh, that was pretty cool to sort of like, I feel like that was a turning point. It was like, here's your last true pandemic show, you know, now you got to get ready to do this with real crowds.
2: I can tell you right away, just from the two little drops that you guys have had with uh, St. Paul and the broken bones and then fits that. Those are two bands that I love. I've seen them both live. And um, I feel like if you guys are opening for them, you're going to find more people like me who are drawn to your sound. So I think you're doing the right thing. And whoever's helping you guys book that and get on those shows is doing a good job. Cause I think that, your music lends itself to the same type of people that would listen to those guys. So that's awesome.
3: Well, sick. That's awesome.
2: Yeah. I mean, that's what it's all about, right? It's like all of a sudden, if you're out there, like, and you're like, wow, is this band we're opening for like a death metal band? Like, what is this? (laughs) (laughs) Is this going to end up?
3: (laughs) It's funny funny how who you open for can sort of shape your fans. Yeah. Yeah.
2: That's just how it kind of happens. Um, I get the sense as like songwriters that you guys believe in a strong chorus. How does the shaping of the song kind of, how has that evolved over the years for you all?
3: Oh man. Yeah, that, that, that is a good question. Um, it's kind of funny cause we all have different, you know, backgrounds that we all bring to the songwriting table Yeah, and um, it just, it just kind of works with, with us three. Like, I think we're all just really, really like identify and we're just, and I think like our Simon has really like forced us into our brains too. And even Dan, but just like how strong and memorable, like a good melody can be. Like we're just so identify so hard with like, if you can write a good melody, you can write a good song and just like, how long that can stick in your head. And so I think we're always just looking for that, like that really memorable melody or chorus that you can just like hold on to forever. Like one of the first things we ever did with Simon was we got up there, we met him and he, he drove us around in his car and he, he just blasted. He like, he sat us down he's like, I don't care what you guys think of this song. Like, I don't care what you guys think of this band, like this song. Like you can play it on an acoustic guitar, and everybody knows the words and everybody knows the chorus. And he played "Wonderwall" and "Don't Look Back in Anger" from Oasis, and yeah. we're like singing it and just like <laughs> screaming it. And we're like, I "Amy's mean, got a good point. Like those yeah, like, songs forget are, about your ex girlfriends, forget yeah. about any weird girls. This makes you think of just listen to the melody." Yeah, yeah and, and so like, and he's like, "Those songs, like they're simple songs that you can play an acoustic guitar, but you can go play them for." 40,000 people in an arena and like everyone will sing them back. And so I, yeah, I think we're just detracted to, you know, writing awesome melodies that people can, you know, sing along with and identify with and remember for a long time.
2: Yeah, absolutely. Nothing wrong with that. There's, there there should be, uh, I think a lot of people especially coming from like an artistic or creative mindset would try and shy away from that. There's almost this uh, thing of the more I'm liked, the more I've sold out type of thing. And I don't necessarily agree with that. I think you just gotta do whatever it is. And I would tell you in the uh, bouncing off of the Oasis thing, if you guys get a chance to go tour over in Europe, especially the UK, my wife's uh, English, I went over there and spent a good like six months during COVID with her and her family. And if Wonderwall comes on anywhere (laughs) in that area, Everything yeah. stops and yeah. <laughs> everyone just like gets arm in arm and just starts singing. So, yeah. if you throw that cover in while you guys are over there, you're going to win over the audience every time.
3: <laughs> That's amazing. That, that, that is a good point, though, of bringing up like kind of like shying away from it because we like that was us for so long. Like, I, I don't, not to throw you under the bus, but like, <laughs> but like, I feel like when we first started writing songs, like AJ would always be the guy that would be like, I want to get weird. And we're like, we still need that in our band. Like, but he's like the experimental guy, like, dude, let's stick it to the man and not have a chorus kind of thing. <laughs> I don't think I've ever said that. <laughs> I think what he's going to say is that I listen to a lot of modest Mouse and I like a lot of feedback and ugly sounding noises. But I think that the thing that unites us all is that at the core, we all like to write. Somebody, somebody called us out. He was like, you guys write pop music. Like, not in a bad way, but like, you guys come up with like catchy melodies. And I was like, I, mean, that's, I think that is the one thing that unites us. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But I, Simon even sat us down one day and was like, we can, we have the ability to write big songs. So let's write, let's try to write big songs. Like, let's not, he literally said that let's not shy away from it. Like, let's try to make a song that, you know people sing along with in the same way they sing along with, you
2: know, Mr. Brightside or something 100%. 100%. And I, you know, I think Modest Mouse does have some uh, interesting sounds coming out of it, but those songs are catchy and that's why you go back to them. Um, so there's nothing wrong with having that good hook. Um, okay, last thing I want to touch on with you guys is the song Wildfire, which is the title track of the EP.
3: Don't close you.
2: And I look at this as just, when I listen to it, I I hear a hopeful love song. And I'm wondering what the story is behind this.
3: Uh, It was, uh, you know, the the idea for this song came to us by our producer. And he was like, hey, here's an idea that never got finished. Um, I think that this, I think it's just going to disappear on the earth forever. And we were hearing where it was going. And we were like, oh, we should... We should wrap this up. We should finish it, and we should put it on this album. I think that you know Mike's voice would turn out really well, and I think that we could make a total. The the co-producer David and I have been talking about uh, a U two album that we really liked, and he was like, "Yeah, we could do something like that with it." So the story of this song, you know, it's it's was really just a collaboration. It was just so many different people. writing and putting it together um and I guess you know and I don't it wasn't until the very end after it was recorded that you started start to think about the lyrics and so it's it definitely is one of those songs where you know the the story of the lyrics can sort of mean um you know whatever you want them to to yourself but the story of the song was kind of just like a I guess it, it, as cheesy as it is, it kind of was a wildfire. It was like, you know, it started out as an idea and then it just sort of consumed the the studio for the day and we just kind of went wild with it. Was
2: this the one that you guys said, if we're going to have one person, if we're going to show one song to a person to give let them know what our sound is, it was this one? Or did I mistake that with another song?
3: Yeah. No, that was this one. Yeah. yeah. I think it was just, yeah, I think we said that because it was just like, it was the most fun song to record. Like it just had like all of our favorite things all wrapped into one. Like I loved singing this song. Cause it's like, I think out of all of our songs, it just has like the biggest chorus that you just want to sing along with. So it was just like yeah. so much fun for me to sing. And AJ plays like, it's like a polished song, but if you listen, like AJ's playing this like really dirty slide guitar that mm-hmm. was like sent through a, this crazy amp and a couple weird pedals in the studio. And it just came out really, really, really cool. And John's playing this like humongous
4: bass line that like just. I, we like, we got out this huge old fuzz pedal and an octave pedal and it, it was, it was a black. Like, the fun thing about this song was like getting to hear it back in the studio with each added layer. Like from the very beginning, I was like, we were all just kind of in all of the song. We were just like, man, this is just really turning out like spectacular. And then every layer that got added, every track that we added, every instrument we put on the song, just like up the ante. And it was just like, man, I didn't think this could get any better and just, yeah.
2: Yeah, no, it's great. I mean, everything that you guys have on this, there's a couple of um of kind of more ballady songs on here as well that um, I'm gonna probably kind of throw mix into this episode.
3: Down and die. The day I heard your leg beneath the cold, December sky. The word around town was that your head was hanging down with this arm around your waist and nose. Not my place, all right.
2: Top to bottom, even, even that, that's what gets me really excited about what you guys kind of have lingering about that, that hasn't been released yet. So I appreciate you guys sitting down with me a little bit this morning and, um, and I, I'm really happy to have found your music and and to have met you and can't wait for you to come through Denver. We'll come and check it out for sure. But thank you guys. Yeah. Hey, thank
3: you. Thank thank you. So yeah. Much. Thanks man. Appreciate it.
2: Thank you very much to John, Michael, and AJ. Please check out their new EP wildfire now. And as always for the stories behind the songs, go to songfacts.com. Have a great day.